0: Hi everyone a couple of quick housekeeping points before you jump into Sandy's podcast Um, just wanted to mention Mental Fitness Mondays something I'm doing alongside uh, these podcasts Um, it's pretty obvious what it is it's talking about mental fitness and it's gonna be on Mondays (laughs) trying to charge the week up I'm doing it with a good friend of mine Rory Berry who is also a a podcast guest back in the day and uh, he's a coach and um, he's also a lot of fun so we're gonna try and have some fun uh, and try and throw some positivity out into the world um and charge your week uh so it's it would be great to have you there great to have some audience members there we're live streaming it which is terrifying to be quite honest um but it's an adventure for me and a challenge for me and for rory <clears throat> and so we're doing that every monday until christmas time at 9 p.m central european time 8 p.m uk time whatever that works out all around the world it's going to be maximum half an hour and we're hopefully going to get some live guests in to discuss there's topics each week around mental fitness um so related to mental fitness um you can check out the website i've got a new website for wind windbuilding, so windbuilding.com you can check it out there about the podcast and all the podcast episodes but also there's a page for mental fitness mondays on there so you can see what we're gonna have coming up okay <clears throat> that was as quick as i could make it enjoy the podcast hi you're listening to Wimbuilding, hosted by me nick ray Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm very, very happy today because I've got a good friend of mine from, well, from London days, I guess, but she's not from London originally. I spent a long time in London though. Uh, Sandy Cassano, we actually worked very closely together. I had Sandy in my team. She was an absolute rock star, a classic case of hire someone better than you. She's way, (laughs) way better than me. And uh, and it was a great move on my part to get her leading the team, uh, which then got me to move on to other things so um, that's how I got to know Sandy really she's also great great friends with my wife Louisa and uh, unfortunately she now lives in a completely different part of the world than us so this is our moment to catch up I guess Um, but I'm going to let her introduce herself so Sandy if I can pass over to you just give us an outline of sort of who you are where you come from where you how how your career has progressed and uh, what's got you to where you are today
1: Thanks, Nick, and thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Um, and hello to everyone. My name is Sandy Cassano. Um, I, as Nick mentioned, most recently lived in London, but my journey started when I was born in Japan, in the suburbs of Japan, um, to a Japanese father and a Korean mother, um, and then lived in Korea for a while, and then we immigrated to the U.S., uh, to California, when I was about four. And so my American journey began my American life. Uh, so I was a first generation American um, growing up in California, went to school in Boston and really um, found ways to um, designed my career. I started off in hospitality as a waitress and then catapulted into a career in sales at um, EF where I met Nick. And so working in educational sales and global travel, which became a huge passion of mine. Um, It probably started before that when I uh, traveled internationally on my own. But being able to do that for 12 years and work through sales, operations, marketing, IT, all of those, um, wonderful things. I then left EF for a, um, another role as a managing director of a travel company, another student travel company. And then about two years ago, I resigned. Um, I made a decision that um, I wanted to trade in my dream job for a dream life. And so I took a pause and I reevaluated myself and what was important and how I wanted to live out kind of these next years of my life and what was important to me. And so that's what I've been doing for the past two years. And I'm landing now in a space where I'm a human potential coach. Um, And uh, my life's passion is to amplify voices of women and girls around the globe and focus on the mental health specifically of the Asian community. So that's what I do now. Um, And I'm loving every minute of it and I'm just really thankful to to be here. So that's me. (laughs)
0: That is awesome. I'm so happy to hear. I, I love that trade in dream job for dream life. That's a that's a great quote. That's probably oh, well, I don't know yet, but that's possibly going to be the tagline of this. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you give me some more gold, then uh, then I'll have to decide. Um, but I, I'd say you are really someone who, for me, I, I mean, I, I know lots and lots of people who. Kind of love travel and would put that on their CV and you know passionate about travel and I've certainly been one of those people myself actually I mean I've enjoyed travelling the world and I've been very lucky to travel lots of places but you took it pretty seriously man you, you you're <laughs> someone who I think is really really passionate about travel so if we could talk a little bit more about that because I think that that's for me but a big part of who you are is sort of seeing you you jetting off to all these different places. Obviously not in the last year or two, but <laughs> but pre-corona times. So talk to me a little bit about that and about that passion.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I think um, my some of my earliest memories have been uh, airports and hotels. I've always had this weird love of airports and hotels. I just like the ambiance and environments. I love sitting on airplanes. Um, and I, some of my earliest memories I'll tell you is I, I guess I've always been moving around in in different environments. And my mom, this quote always hits me, um, what she would say to me, we were traveling somewhere in, I think Korea or Germany. I can't even remember. I was so young, but she basically would, we'd always get on public buses. It must've been Germany. And she said to me you know, the best way to understand people and where they live is to see it through their lens. And so she would always, we wouldn't really go on taxis and stuff, we'd go on buses. And so that was always just this key stone component of why I travel and how I do. So um, I, I will admit, like, there's a part of me that loves resorts and the glam and, girls' vacations and all of that, like, I'm human and I love that, but there is this other pivotal part of me that really values travel as my classroom. I was never mm-hmm. this eighth student, um, despite what people think of me and the perception. I really struggled with the studying, and I, I'm not a very book smart person, but where I have evolved as a person in my understanding of life is through travel, when I observe other people. You know, people mm. watching, how they interact, how it, the differences and, and the similarities in different cultures, despite what you would think, you know. Um, and so for me, I think that's where I've really come to value travel for me as I expand as a human, is that it is my classroom. It is how I learn, how I show up in the world, right? Mm. So I think yeah, that that yeah. is...
0: I, I love that. I, yeah, I love the seeing through lenses as well. I think it's totally right. And and also I I don't know about you but I when I travel I feel like if I get to explore somewhere the the more you do that. You know, the more you realize how little you, you've you seen. I... <laughs> so, e- everywhere you go to, and then until you live somewhere and really, really, you know, explore that specific area. But even then, you only see your usually when you're living, you're also working, and then you're kind sort of in this work life, which is which is again different. But, uh, yeah, seeing it through the lens, I love that. That's really cool. So Sandy let's get on to it because you're a human potential coach now and I want you to talk about that and I also want you to promote yourself a little bit because I know you're launching a podcast soon and we've got plenty of things to talk about on that front but a human potential coach so let's talk about that because I've had a few coaches on and I've done coaching myself and I think there's there's some really interesting tie-ins to this whole wind building. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of wind building is about coaching, about goal setting and, and achieving goals. So talk to me a bit about your philosophy around, around winning or achieving great things.
1: Wow. What a great question. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I just want to take a step back and just explain that, you know, when I got into coaching uh, it was a personal journey and choice for me. It was in 2020. <laughs> <aptly>. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of introspective time. And I decided actually, I was still at a point where i had left the dream job, but didn't know what the dream life actually looked like for me. Okay, And so I decided that I wanted to train as a coach more for the personal introspective journey i thought it could help me and i don't know why i thought i could have just hired a coach <laughs> but instead i was like no i'll i'll train to be one I, i'll get like the inside scoop of it right and so that was my initial Process. What happened then after was that I found this natural ability or inclination and a passion for it. And I saw the need because then when I decided that I wanted to actually get a coach for myself and I looked out in the landscape, I actually saw not as many faces that looked like mine as I should have. And I thought Mm -hmm. that that was relevant, Mm -hmm. right? As an Asian woman who comes from um, an immigrant background and has very often sat in a boardroom where she's not only the only female, but the only woman of color as well.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I realized that so much of my career and in, in how I perceived winning and perceived success was kind of skewed because of that. And because I didn't have someone that could coach me and see things in a different light and really, helped me shine through my own self-worth. So I felt like
0: Mm -hmm. I could make a
1: difference here by helping people, basically helping myself because that's what a lot lot of coaches tend to do (laughs) as well, right? And so that coupled with the fact that I've had a pretty significant career, I feel like, where I've had gone through so many dynamics of what it's like to work in workspaces, um, in teams, in startup environments, in, uh, you know, Chaos, operations, all of these things. So I felt like that is where I could help people find the clarity in the chaos. And I have come to work specifically with founders and entrepreneurs and creatives, people that kind of um, don't have all the guardrails, I guess, of Mm -hmm. society and, and corporate life and all of that. And often people are transitioning from corporate or company life into something where they're building it on their own.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it can mm-hmm. get really difficult, right? Because suddenly you're out there on your own. You're your own boss. You have to manage yourself. You are suffering. All of us will suffer from self-sabotage and all those thoughts, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. all of those things. And so the beauty of it, I, I feel, with coaching is that you don't actually need it. To succeed right but what coaching does from my lens is that it helps to accelerate your progress and it helps to have someone co-create your journey and, and you design your life and see all the blind spots i think that's what mm. coach, coaches tend to do right yeah mm. you can be introspective for yourself but you can only see yourself from so many angles and degrees right there's certain parts of you that you just don't always see right unless and and so that let you know you don't you're not always looking at yourself in the mirror. You very rarely are unless you choose so. So I think that that's where I love the opportunity to come in as a coach and serve as the as the mirror for someone and reflect back and and show them a reconnection to who they are. I don't think people are lost. I don't think people are broken. I think they have everything they need their answers, all their resources within them. It's just a matter of reconnecting to it and finding it. And so that's what I love about coaching and that's my approach. And I use a lot of brain body science as well, where we start to actually retrain your brain so that um, you lessen the habit of self-sabotage and create new neural pathways to really connect to the part of your brain that make sense your prefrontal cortex so that you where you actually problem solve and create and uh, versus your survival brain where you go into fight flight freeze
0: yeah okay so talk talk me through a bit more about that then so so i think because that is somewhere where i mean i've read a bit about it but in my my coaching experience it was very much more just sort of the the formula about exactly what you were saying about kind of being a sounding board and a mirror and and bouncing like having a, I see it as a guided conversation with yourself. Like that's, uh, that's often how I've described co- coaching. Um, but th- let's talk a bit more about the brain science as well, because you, you sound like you know a bit more about that than I do, and I, I'm quite interested in that too. So tell me a bit more about that. Where 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 what what have you learnt on your journey on on that front? And and you know where, where like what are the things to to really look out for in 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 the coaching s- sphere?
1: <laughs> yes. Well, this became intriguing to me because I found it from a personal journey that I was always questioning, why do I always do these things, right? Even though I know mm-hmm. better, I've gone to seminars, I go to workshops, I read books, I read the, you know, do- I see the documentaries, and I understand it intellectually, and yet actively, I don't react. And I would always joke, mm-hmm. like I'm this procrastinating perfectionist,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And I... I, I had these waves of like, I would work really hard. I would work like literally 24 hours on certain things when I was really passionate for it or, you know, and in flow, but then there'd be other things where I'd just be like, I would procrastinate and I could never understand why. I would never really understand. I would always think it's a time management thing or the lazy thing or all these like mental hurdles. and, And no matter what I read or saw, like I would be like, aha, but then it would never change. Right. Just never change. And so um, and I'm sure, you know, your audience, people, if that sounds familiar, like here was the difference is that there's a we are hardwired to our survival brain. Mm -hmm. right, And it begins as we are children. um, And so you start to absorb information and you start to learn that, you know, to react these ways. And we all come with natural strengths, right? Regardless when we come into the world. And, but when those become threatened or you have to protect yourself, you start to learn these behaviors to protect yourself. For example, for me, I came into the world with um, a natural sense of, Ease and flow. I, I like to just be chill, you know. And I've always heard like from my family, I'm like, oh, I was always the baby. Like I never really cried. Um, the phrases used to describe me as a kid is like, you wouldn't even know she was there. Like I could sit in a corner and like play and like people would forget that I was there. I was that quiet. Um, and it never bothered me. I loved just being in my head and in my imagination and all those things. Great. Except for what then manifests later on as I continue to do that is that anytime my ease and flow got disrupted, I would start to avoid those types of situations, which means I avoided Mm -hmm. difficult conversations. I avoided confrontation. I avoided Mm -hmm. feeling bad, right? So doing Mm -hmm. the things, avoiding things that scare you, avoiding things that, um, And then um, coupled with that, I also am an achiever. I I do like winning. I like attaining goals, right? And so I also learned that – so I became a hyperachiever. So I went from achiever to hyperachiever. I started learning that, like, if you worked really hard and had great outcomes, then you got rewards. That that dopamine hit, right? So my self-worth got caught on to that. And so that was my survival when I was a kid. My early when when we first came to the U.S., I didn't speak English because obviously we had come from Korea. I was four years old, so I could barely speak anyway, right? So limited vocabulary. Go to daycare or preschool, and I get teased because I can't speak English, Mm. right? And so even without understanding the words, I understood that I was not accepted. And yeah. I would come home and cry, right? Um, and so from there, I started learning, like, assimilate and and avoid those those types of feelings. And it started from a very early age. Uh, mm. so, so all of those things. Now, it all works, right? We need that survival part of our brain. We are here because our ancestors saw a leaf shaking and was like, something could eat me and they ran away, right? That's why we're here. They survived, all those little nuances. Um, So those are important, but here we are in this world where very rarely are we in a jungle or is there a tiger behind a bush. And so, but our body doesn't know the difference. So when your boss is yelling at you or when you're being bullied, your body Mm -hmm. still reacts in the same way. And we don't learn to unlearn that in situations that don't make sense. Yeah, Does that make sense. Right. So what, sh- what we should be taught in school right around 16, 17, 18, as we graduate into adult world life, as long as you're not like living in a jungle, but like in our everyday normal lives or just going into college and work and all of that, is we should start to learn that some of those things we don't need anymore for survival and start to really develop the connections to our prefrontal cortex. Right. And kind of weaken the survival instincts. Right. So every time someone something happens that you feel threatened, you don't have to go into this freeze mode or flight mode or whatever your tendency is, but instead find ways to stop. Basically, it's so simple in some ways of um, the operating system is that you need to be in awareness that that it's happening to you allow the moment to pass, whether through um, intense focus on like a physical sensation, almost like rubbing the fingertips of your two fingers, just like something like that. Um, And then because it only takes us 90 seconds to process an emotion. Yeah. Anything that happens after that is just your head turning and burning and like putting it on repeat. And actually the greatest damage we do to ourselves is that we experience stress or anger, fear, all those things, totally normal, perfectly fine. The damage comes is that we replay it over and over and over again. And that's when you start to damage and overuse that muscle because you continuously give your brain a mental model to go into that mode and your body consistently is shooting out cortisol every time you have that thought because it can't tell the difference between, the actual happening and your replay in your head you know and then we let it
0: and then we let it affect our behavior right like what you're describing as a kid you know then your behavior gets affected and then the way people react to you mirrors that sometimes and only serves to to exacerbate it I I actually you reminded me and I didn't realize it was what it what was happening I guess but I I used to train in customer service and uh, one of the things I used to used to have as a sort of motto was let your bring your senses to the rescue, you know, like, and it was such a simple thing. It was basically like learn to recognize when something is happening to you that feels wrong or feels out of, out of uh, control or, or out of, um, out of line with how you want to behave normally or how you want to be normally learn to recognize that and then bring, let your senses come to Mm. the rescue because if you can recognize it, then you can do something about it. The problem is, of course, this, you know, everyone uses the expression that, what is it, the red mist or or seeing red and things. Uh, In reality, there's, it's not, it doesn't need to be a red mist at all. It can be just you're annoyed, you know, you're in a bad mood because you didn't get to the bus on time to get the bus right. and then everything right. snowballed from there and your whole day fell into pieces or you didn't get the deal you were looking to get or your kid annoyed you because they didn't get dressed in the morning. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from Not experience. They're, they're... <laughs> uh, but then it's, it's being able to recognize yeah. when those things are happening and, and taking control of them. But that's, as you said, it's easy to say. I don't think it's easy to do at all. And hence why coaches can actually be extremely useful uh, resource to, for people to use, right? Uh, and yeah. and to, to, to learn from.
1: Yeah. And so I spend a significant amount of time for the clients that do choose the option to actually put them through like a boot camp or a strength training where we do brain exercises mm-hmm. for almost seven weeks straight to like help weaken some of the muscles that you no longer need and to kind of balance up and strengthen the muscles that you do need. Or those neural pathways is basically what we call muscles. And, you know, the other piece of it that I just want to follow up with what you were saying is this word of feeling. Right. So we as humans think that we think and use words a lot, but we actually interact with the world mostly through feeling. Majority of it is actually through how we sense the world around us. And
2: mm-hmm. so just
1: to layer upon what I was saying about the brain is that. In actuality, we have three brains. We have a head brain, we have a heart brain, and we do have a gut brain. Mm. And they are significant because, you know, your gut is, the main purpose is survival for self. How can I make my best, my life the best for me? And so that gut instinct, that's not just a, a, you know, a made up creation. It exists. And Mm. there, the microbiomes in there, the connection to the brain, it's significant. And some of the studies show that most CEOs, entrepreneurs, people that tend to go in that way tend to have a really strong gut brain. It's Mm. not, you know, odd. And I've done the assessment, the heart brain, people like, me for example like coaches or people that kind of have this empathy leaning pattern you know how the heart brain is all about bonding with others for survival how should I act or be so that you like me or want to interact with me and then your brain mm-hmm. is the predictor is it kind of serves as the predict the future for survival and is like the problem solver how, how does this work is this correct should I do this and so mm-hmm. That's another way that's important to, like, know yourself, especially in this landscape where you're trying to either design your life or, you know, win big or whatever those things are. It's about actually understanding how your body works, because Mm. some of those things that sometimes frustrate you, which I found to be like, why do I keep doing this? As soon as I understood why and the awareness and then created the tools to help myself when I got in those modes... It was a game changer right mm. do i still procrastinate yes but i can catch it faster and then kind of rehabilitate myself back to where i need <laughs> to be way faster versus the past version of me would just kind of sit around and be like why do i always do this and would focus on the <laughs> what's wrong with me or like why am i so lazy or like i'm never gonna do it and i i would, I would see goals just like Sift through, right? Like, I would just like be yeah. like, oh, well, I guess I'm not doing that anymore, right? Because I just <laughs> would miss these opportunities because I couldn't get myself back on track, right? Yeah. And so I think that that was why it was so powerful for me and why I feel so passionate about empowering others to be able to do that because there is reasoning behind it. You're not crazy and you're not alone in this, you know? And so being able to, ha- equip people with the right tools, um, and to help them get over that. Um, so what sort of tools do you,
0: what sort of tools do you use then? Like what are the things that you've decided to, to choose to kind of give yourself benchmarks or, or, um, help people to understand themselves better?
1: Yeah. So I, um, am trained through, um, an organization or a science called positive intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. It was created by a gentleman named Shrazad Shameen. It's actually, I'm in San Francisco right now, and it's one of the reasons why I'm here. Um, And so it's like the synthesis of cognitive, behavioral, and performance psychology. Um, Mm -hmm. The concepts in it are not anything new, um, but what is new is that he's created a framework, and we literally call it an operating system. So it's a way to kind of upgrade the way you think in your brain and your body so that, you know, you can evolve into the modern world that we live in. And so some of the things that we do there are just these very simple techniques and exercises to help when you do find that you start to become hijacked by your thoughts. Mm. Right. Mm. And and that's a really a key component is that, you know, I'll give you one example, the one, there's certain avatars or certain um, personas that we all have in our lives. And the one universal uh, saboteur, let's say, or avatar that shows up for all of us regardless is called the judge, right? In his system and the operation is called the judge. And so we all have this tendency to judge ourselves, judge others and judge circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that then creates our reactions. And that's kind of what I was saying with the survival brain. You needed it as a kid, right? You needed it as a child, especially when you couldn't articulate uh, you know, in, in what was threatening you or how it is that you start to learn, like, when, oh, when a person looks like this, they are friendly, it's safe. When a person mm. acts mm. or sounds like this, they are a threat, right? Mm. Um, when when I act this way, you know, and you start to judge yourself, like, when I act this way, I will, you know, mommy and daddy get mad or disappointed, right? But when I act this way, they get happy, you know, or like, this is how I make friends. You also start to learn, like you do circumstances, right? Like these are situations that I feel comfortable in. These are not, this is when I shine. This is when I not. And so all of Mm -hmm. those things become a learning curve. But then what happens as we get older is that we start to over exaggerate the intensity of those. Mm. And so, you know, you might find that you'll come in and um, as an adult, like how many times have we done things? And then we go, God, you're so stupid. Why do you do that? Right? And we start to really harshly judge ourselves. And it it holds us back. You know, I am daring to ask your audience, like, you know, how many times have you had a great idea and talked yourself into it? And before you even told us, and a soul, you like talked yourself out of it. You're like, yeah, duh, 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 that's the best idea ah. ever. And then like, <laughs> in 24 hours, it's like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> You know?
0: Well, you don't need to ask the audience. You can ask me and I, it's plenty, <laughs> plenty. And uh, as to the, uh, the cursing at myself for how stupid, basically, most days, I would say, i I really, yeah, I, uh, I find myself doing that a lot. So, uh, yeah, no, I absolutely, I absolutely hear that, that frustration yeah. of, uh, of, of the judgment as well. But, uh, well, but in terms of then learning, learning about that, how do you, learn to recognize that? And what sort of, what sort of, I mean, I don't want you to give away your whole practice and take you out of business, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but what sort of things do you say are, are, are kind of key ways in which you would then learn that and learn that about yourself and then learn to recognize it?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I talked about it before we do. Um, I teach my clients the, these simple exercises. So focusing on physical sensations, um, doing a lot of work on awareness. So recognizing when you're being hijacked, which is essentially whenever you're a negative Mm. emotion, right? Whenever Mm. you're a negative emotion, anytime you fear, and you know, you can think of emotion, basically two buckets, fear or love. All of our emotions kind of generate out of the two, right? So fear, anger, you know, rejection, um, frustration, anxiety, those are all stemmed from fear, fear of, you know, Mm. and, love mm. then you go at passion create, you know all those things are summed out of love so whenever you start to just recognize i'm in a negative emotion right now you recognize that you give yourself at least 90 seconds if not two minutes to just recalibrate basically mm-hmm. based on that physical sensation right you know just rubbing um, your hands just feeling that sensation uh, focusing a visual sensation even you know, hearing, listen for the furthest away sound or the sound of your breath, and then one key way to do it is after you do that and you've recentered yourself, you would ask yourself, "What's the gift and opportunity in this situation right now?" Mm-hmm. Right. Another question you might ask yourself is why. Instead of asking yourself why is this happening to me, ask yourself why is this happening for me. So you change the two to a four. And you ask why mm-hmm. and. Not that you'll get an answer right away, like some situations you won't and it won't happen for a while. But what you're actually doing in that moment is you're allowing yourself to kind of literally unplug from your survival brain into the part of your brain that can think. The Mm. irony of it is that when you're in survival mode, you literally shut off your prefrontal cortex and you cannot problem solve and you cannot think creatively and you can't get yourself out of the mess your body just mm. wants to fight or flight. And so you, again, you might've experienced this where you need to come up with a solution and you can't think of anything because mm. you're in survival mode. And so you don't, yeah. you're not serving yourself.
0: And I think the, yeah. And and it, it, when you can recognize that it's not like you said about to you and for you, I love, I love that because it's, it's usually very rarely is something negative happening to you because it's someone personally trying to hurt you or attack you right. very rarely and even in toxic relationships sometimes you know psychopaths are, <laughs> are looking to to actually cause you harm or yeah. do something to you but even in in relationships that are toxic it's usually about the individuals and their relationship troubles with themselves that's causing the friction and the, and, the, and the hurt it's not necessarily that it's happening to you it, it's it's like it's happening in the world the the way the world is happening around you right now kind of sucks because of the way the world is happening but it's not to you necessarily it's not necessarily built on attacking you and i think that's a great um reflection actually i hadn't thought about putting it like that changing it to for for you is is uh, yeah quite powerful actually to reframe it because then it does allow you to then say oh, okay this is happening around me. This totally sucks. What can I do about it? Like what, what, what is the option here? You know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) And again, the aim isn't to always have the answer to it. It's just to give your brain the opportunity to go to the part of the brain that's actually going to help you. Right. Yeah. It's actually going to help you. Um, you know, in relationships, the judge, you know, when you're in honeymoon or lovey-dovey stage, those people, you're typically what we would call in stage mode or you're in that happy state of mind. Right. And so you're in, and that's why it is, what happens as you go on in relationships is that you tend to kind of vortex or spiral down into back into your normal centered self, right. With the (laughs) habits of being very judgmental. And so you, you'll then start to like see your partner in that judgment light or, you know, you judge yourself with them. You judge, others and and all of that so and i'll just wrap that this part of it up with just one last um concept or exercise for yourself and for your audience is this um the reimagining of doing something that you feel like you dropped the ball on before and Mm. to do it in discernment so here's an example so they did a study of um basketball free throws right so this is a performance psychology thing so they did three groups they put people in three groups and they had the first group go out and they just literally would shoot free throws every day like physically throw them until they got better right the second group um never touched the ball but would like just sit for the same allotment of time and just imagine themselves doing sinking in their free throws and then the third group neither touched the ball nor did any reimagining that was kind of the control and so then they went and they and they tested them like how did their free throws improve right so the group that, you know, practiced for a week or whatever that was um, improved by like 28%, right? Their percentage of shots that got into the bas- basket. This is me. I'm like, I'm not a real sports person. So I'm like, is that what they do? Put the ball in the basket? Yeah, yeah. Put
0: the ball. I'm pretty sure ball that's possible. Basket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Sounds right. That, Sounds good. Go with it.
1: It's crazy, that correlation. <laughs> yeah, um, I do
0: know. And yes, you're right.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the confirmation. I feel better now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the interesting thing is, so that group improved by 28%. The group that only reimagined themselves being able to do it improved by 25% when they actually started throwing the ball and physically touching it. Mm. They created the mental, muscle, and neural pathway in their brain so that their brain knew what to do when action was needed. And so that's yeah. really a powerful way to say. You could revisit something, or you can imagine something over and over again and give your brain the pathway. Like, you know, if you have um, this is an extreme example, but you know, if you have a fear of speaking in public, for example, instead of constantly thinking of yourself like getting up on stage and like, you know, losing it and losing control or, you know, shutting down you start to slowly just reimagine yourself at ease on the stage or in front of a camera talking, making eye contact, feeling really good about yourself, feeling your body and all of those things and being able to do that. And you keep doing that so that your brain, instead of thinking, having the mental model of panic, I'm on a stage, shut down, starts to understand that actually I can actually be in ease and I can be in front of a camera and, and, and not feel those things. And the more you can give yourself that opportunity and just that practice, you can really start to make a difference in what it feels like when you're actually live action doing something.
0: Yeah, I think so actually I'm re, I'm in, kind of intrigued there because I've uh, I've used the expression fake it till you make it quite a few times. And and I know that a lot of people react really negatively to that, right? And I, I remember Wee uh, Spratby, one of the first uh, podcast guests, he posted something on Insta the other day um I can't remember exactly what the expression was, but it was like basically fake it till you make it. It's bullshit. Sort of, you know, (laughs) like do it, do it. And, but I guess what I was meaning was what you've just described, which is more like if in your head you can start to convince yourself that you can do things and that you can, and you can, can find a way through practice of believing in yourself, then you make it. And, and mm. I think that, you know, I especially think that's true with, with the public speaking thing. I know a lot of people who are very scared of public speaking uh, and uh, I mean, I think I, I, I love public speaking, but I still, I love it because of the adrenaline. So I love the fear attached to it. So I understand the fear as well. But I, I, uh, I, I think it's it, it's very interesting to me when, when you actually do that visualization or you just practice in smaller groups and you kind of like, you, you pretend almost to yourself i can do this and then it starts and then you see people's reaction you're like oh well that that works i did do it you know i can do it and it, so then i use the fake it till you make it but i know it triggers a lot of people They're like no that's bad advice uh, i don't know where you sit on <laughs> fake it till you make it but it, it, <laughs> it, 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 if you switch it like that it works right <laughs> right
1: right and i you know i think there is um I think the trigger word is the fake it thing. And, but I do hear what you're saying and what your actual intention of it. So, um, but yeah, I think that there's, it's, it's how you show up and it. It really is about the physiology of like what you're the physicalness of what you're experiencing. And you just mentioned like fear versus excitement. You know, the reality is, is that your body cannot experiences fear exactly the same as excitement.
2: Mm, mm, exactly. Yeah.
1: It's exactly the same. It's actually just your, your perception of what's happening to you that decides whether it's fear or excitement. Right. Right. It's
0: risk. Right. And you're, it's the, it's the risk and the, the way in which the risk is playing out. That uh, Yeah. That and, exciting. and you know,
1: if, Excitement, you know, your hands get tingly, your heart starts to palpitate, you know, you might like your breath gets shallow. It's fear or it's excitement. And it's literally mm. up to you to choose. Am I scared or am I excited? Mm. And so, you know, when you're about to go on stage and you're like, I'm terrified, or you could say, let's see, I'm, I'm excited. And your brain will mm. believe you. Your brain will be like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. And the more you do that, you start to train your brain. I'm excited. And,
0: and yeah. you make a choice. Yeah. <laughs> i love. I get excited for sure i know i know it's exciting <laughs> so i'm good i'm good i'm good, you're I, good I, I get ex- yeah pretty excited talking about it for god's sake i have not spoken on stage for so long now I <laughs> not, not, not that i need to yeah. listen Sandy I just wanted to kind of uh start to wrap up, but I also wanted to uh give you an opportunity to talk a bit more about uh the podcast that you're going to be launching if you're allowed to i don't know if you're allowed to talk about it yet, but you you you, t- you t- told me that you're in pre-production or thinking about podcasts pre-launch, and also um, whatever you could tell me about the startup adventure, uh, adventure that you're you're thinking about, or if you can tell me about that. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of push forward some of the new things you are doing.
1: Um, thank you for the opportunity. Um, my question to you is: Am I allowed to swear?
0: <laughs> of course, you are. This thank is you. a podcast. Apologies to anyone who gets offended by swearing. <laughs>
1: shut your ears right now um so yes i'm about to i'm working on launching my podcast called fuck up to glow up um and i'm celebrating all my massive failures <laughs> and <laughs> um, because, i don't think you've
0: had any but uh i'm looking forward to hearing about them. <laughs> oh my
1: friend someone asked me they're like do you have that many that could fill up a podcast and i was like yes Yes, I do. You know, and, and it's yeah. not about like some of them are small. And it's also to say, it's not like I, I've lived a life suddenly and I'm like, I'm no longer failing. Like, I'm like, I'm clearly going to keep failing and do things. And, <laughs> you know, the thing is, don't start, ma-
0: don't start making failures just to give yourself content. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not, a, I don't think that's a good business No, no, at no, all.
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> like, how could I massively Oh, dear, you
0: never guess what happened to
1: <laughs> Oh, I that's need an to me yesterday. <laughs> You know, what I have learned, like, you know, I'm now in like, you know, phase 4.0, 4.8 of my life right now is that I've come to accept and actually welcome failure into my life. And and part of my passion here is that I want to normalize failure. Normalize Mm. failure as part of our success process, because I think it, Muhammad Ali said it best is success is not achieved by winning all the time. Real success comes when we rise after we fall. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I have seen, as I look back in my life, the times that I have grown and kind of leveled up to whatever I wanted next was when I quote unquote failed or was down or not basking in success. Right. It, it was when I took risks. It's when I, you know, learned hard lessons and, Mm -hmm. and it's the only reason why I, you know, feel like I'm in a place in my life right now where I can really design my life and, and do things on my terms and really be bold about it. And so, but I do remember a time when I didn't take risks and I played it safe and, I played small. I played really small because the fear of failure was attached. Outcome we we talked about it earlier. The outcome of things that I was doing really was attached to my self worthiness.
0: Mm, right. So mm.
1: when I would so then you try- stick
0: with the safe things, right? Yeah. That, I mean, that's I think yeah. one of the one of the terms that I thought about when you were saying that was comfort zone. I I talk, I love talking about comfort zone because I think it's such a key, key element of how we define our lives. If you think about your comfort zone, if you can find a way to get comfortable outside your comfort zone, then you're going to be completely thriving because at that point, no, there's no there's no limit right you go to what you can what you can do really uh so it's and i think a lot of the things you've described around how to push yourself and how to learn about yourself and control you know it's it's about learning what what is uncomfortable and then learning to get out of that and 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 you know thrive within it or, or find ways to deal with it so um yeah what you were saying there i was like oh yeah there's totally fits with getting getting comfortable outside your comfort zone.
1: Yeah. So I, I am so comfortable in who I am and how I am. And I, I, you know, I've learned that the key to making any real change in your life is to make the choice that you want to make change. Um, mm. And just that you want to make change more than you want the familiar comforts of the stress that you're living right now. Right. So mm. actually staying the same and living in fear is much harder in the long run than taking that leap and taking chances. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the podcast where I just, you know, massively and vulnerably share my failures. I also, um, am bringing on guests who share, you know, where they are and, um, you know, you, you see, <laughs> I was gonna say, if you
0: need, if you, if you need anyone, if you run out of your own, you know, I'm happy to come on and share Ew. some of mine. So, uh, <laughs> I've got, I've got a fairly long list, I think, as well that I can, I can dredge up. I'm not, uh, yeah, I, I need to be, I suppose, slightly careful about my current jobs and things to make sure I don't mess up there. But, uh, right. I, 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 I have quite a few failures in my past that I, I definitely have learned from. So I think it's, uh, yeah, if you need anyone else, I'm happy to come. Um, but I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll find people willing to,
1: Thank you. You know, I want, I I want, you know, future generations to like, listen to it or people that need to, whoever needs to hear it to just understand wherever you are in life, whether you're 20 or 80 is that, you know, feel like this is a sandbox, right? mm -hmm. Fall down, Mm -hmm. scrape a knee. It's okay. You're still going to look back and know that you took the risk and not have any regrets. And I think the most poignant thing is if you, if we're going to talk about goal setting to just wrap things up is that, you know, my favorite way of goal setting is how do I want it to look at the end, right? Like, how do I want to mm, feel mm. what's that outcome look like? And then kind of build from there and kind of move, you know, build the goal um, to its basic core from that vision. Do that with your life. What do, what do I mm. want it to look like at my 80th or 100th birthday party? What do I want people to say? Who's going to be there? And what do I want to be able to look back on? And what I would, my dream for everyone is that they can look back on their life and know that they've made more memories than they've had dreams.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Dreams are only great, you know, just to inspire, but you don't want to live this lifetime where it's like, Oh, I wish I had done that. I have all these Mm -hmm. dreams unfulfilled. You want to be like, Oh man, I did all that stuff. I messed up here. I did that, but I did it. I did it. Yeah, Those exactly. Memories. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, I, funnily enough, tattoos is one for me where people are always <laughs> like, you know, when I got my first tattoo, they said, oh my God, what is it going to look like when you're, what are you going to think when you're 80? And it's all, yeah. I said, I'm going to think, how cool was that that I did that fun <laughs> tattoo when I was 20 something or 30 something, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's a story behind that tattoo and it's followed me my whole life. So, you know, like I, I, that's what I'm going to think and that's why I'm doing it. So, you know, uh, not that I, promote people to have to get tattoos, but I definitely uh, react to that, you know, what is it going to be like when you're 80? I'm like, it's going to be awesome. Don't worry.
1: It's going to be a great (laughs) story. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And
0: and if my saggy tattoo is the only major worry I've got about my body, well, awesome. Even better. Exactly.
2: I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Totally.
0: Uh, listen, Sandy. I I thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and I do miss you quite a lot. And, I, and Louisa misses you as well. We we, we were just reminiscing actually before because it's quite late, as you can probably tell by the light situation here. It's quite late at night here <laughs> right. in, in Oslo. Um, so uh, so I I, uh, I I fortunately don't have a light com- light source from this side. But uh, so she's she's not here to say hello. Is the is the reason I'm oh. telling you that? Thank you so much for thank you so much for uh, g- coming. Out on and, and speaking to us it's been ace i'm going to drop all the links for your various things in okay. the description down below but also you can follow uh follow sandy on instagram right is the best one or what's the best one now uh
1: tiktok and instagram yeah I, i'm tiktok
0: oh my god who's on tiktok
1: oh, i know right a couple billion people okay
0: tiktok and instagram i'll drop those links no more now. limiting you can... thoughts <laughs> You can stay, you can expect to see me on TikTok sometime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Sandy. Did you have anything you wanted to like last words of wisdom? Anything else you wanted to put out there before we before we close out?
1: Yeah, one thing. If you give change a chance, then you give yourself a chance to change. So, thank you for having me. And yeah, I, ah, I've enjoyed this. Story. Love and it. Thanks.
0: Love it. Perfect. Thanks, Sandy
1: thanks okay I hope you enjoyed
0: meeting Sandy uh, she is amazing I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I love the way she approaches uh, the world so um, yeah I hope you took us away as as much from that as I did uh, thank you again Sandy if you're listening this far in the episode A quick reminder to those of you who are still with me uh, mental fitness Mondays every Monday come join in it's on LinkedIn it's live streaming 9 p.m. Central European time 8 p.m. UK time uh, check out the episode lists. Um, if you're not connected to me on LinkedIn, get on that, connect to me on LinkedIn, then we can, uh, then we can engage. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. See you in the next episode.